Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Today, Pastor Ralph continues his message entitled, What is the Call of Faith? And now with part two, here's Pastor Ralph. Genesis chapter 12, we won't be long. It says, The Lord told Abraham, Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. Okay? You have a problem. We read about the problem in the end of chapter 11. You could look it up later. And God says, uh, God speaks to him. That's the first thing we need to notice. Then he says, leave your country, your relatives, your father's house. Everything that's secure. You know, when you want to get to where God's trying to take you, you have to leave where you've been before. If you want to get to sobriety, you have to leave dependence upon alcohol. If you want to get to financial blessing, you have to leave a poverty mentality. If you want to get to have discipline in your life that will contribute to your marriage, then you have to leave behind habits that have held you down. Does this make sense? There's a leaving that always has to associate itself with a going. And so he says, leave your country, your relatives, your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. He wants one kid. God says, I'm going to give you a whole nation of people. I will bless you and make you famous. And I will make you... I mean, think about it. The guy lived 3500 B.C. 5500 years later, we're still talking about him. He's famous, all right. And he says, I will make you a blessing to others. And you ought to underline those words, a blessing to others. Because God always wants his cut. I mean, think of it that way. God's willing to give you whatever you want and then more. But what he wants is his share of the deal. And that is that your life begins to be a blessing to others. And if you want to walk with God, you've got to get used to that. One of the problems that I see in, in, in Christianity in America is, is, is everybody's kind of a me, myself, and I person. They're all hooked up on, I want God's blessings for me, myself, and I. And God says, I want to bless you. I'll bless you abundantly, but I want to bless others through you. And if you want to really receive God's blessings, some of us can't figure out, I became a Christian and nothing's happened in my life. I'm going around hearing all these stories of all these other Christians and God's grace is so abundant in their life. What's, what's wrong with God? Why isn't he blessing me? And it's because we didn't get used to the covenant. I'll bless you. I'll bless you abundantly so I can bless others through you. And if you're not willing to be the pass-through to blessing, then forget about God's blessing in your life because it's just going to get stifled. Am I making sense when I say that? And so here he says, I want to grace other people. And then he says in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. I like that part, I will curse those who curse you. What's that mean is... If, if somebody makes themselves your enemy and you're on God's side, then they make themselves God's enemy and God will fight on your behalf. Is that good? You want some scripture references you could look up later? Here's one for the part about God talking to Abraham in the very first part of verse 1. It's 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 to 12. Write it down and you can look it up later. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 to 12. Where God says, I will bless you. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. God wants to bless you, and he adds no sorrow to it. He open-handedly, open-heartedly says, I want to do good things for you. And then when it talks about being a blessing to others, Matthew chapter 5, verse 42 says, if somebody comes and asks of you because they're in need, don't you dare turn them away. Because you want to keep the blessings coming in your life, you'd be willing to bless the other person. And the part that talks about God cursing those who curse you, uh, turn to this one with me very briefly, and we'll come back to Genesis. Psalm 37, verses 1 to 3. Psalm 37 is my favorite chapter 
in the whole Bible. I read this one several times in a month and it uh, gives me great courage when i got problems in my life. But the first three verses of Psalm 37 say this. Don't worry about the wicked. Don't envy those who do wrong. I mean, don't get into this, well, how come they always get away with it business. For like grass, they'll soon fade away. Like springtime flowers, they'll wither. Trust in the Lord and do good, and then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. What's that all about? Well, let God worry about the bad people. You know, you and I get all hooked up uh, wanting to, to, to crank out vengeance on somebody. In the end of Romans 12, uh, Apostle Paul writes and says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And it goes on and says, in those next few verses in Romans 12, you get out of the way because when you stand trying to work vengeance in somebody's life, somebody whacks you and you whack them back, then God's not going to whack them. But here it says, don't, don't worry about the wicked. Don't think about them. Trust in the Lord. Do good. You'll prosper. God will deal with that person. Later on in Psalm 37, the, the, the psalmist writes and says, I saw the wicked person and he was spreading himself in great power like a green bay tree, like a monkey pod tree. And I looked and I looked again and he wasn't there. He was gone. I even looked at the hole in the ground and the spot he was in was gone. It was all over for him. If we're walking with the Lord, the Lord will be on our side. If we're walking in his grace and somebody curses us, the Lord will curse them. All we have to do is walk with the Lord. We don't need to worry ourselves about those other people. And we for sure don't have to try to wreak vengeance on others. We can walk in God's grace. And so the promise is made to Abraham. First, God does talk to people. And second is, Abraham's in a point of need. God says here, I want to bless you. I want to overbless you. I want to bless others through you. And if somebody messes with you, I'm messing with them. So don't you even worry about it. You and I have a relationship. Is this good? Now, either I got you really thinking or really sleeping. I can't tell which. Am I making, is it getting through? Are you there? Genesis 12. Let's go back and we'll finish this thing up. Verse 4 talks about what should I do if God speaks to me. It says that Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed him and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people who had joined his household in Haran. And they finally arrived in Canaan. Traveling through Canaan, they came to a place near Shechem, and they set up camp beside the oak at Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Now, what is there that we need to glean from this? Well, the first thing is, is it says that Abraham departed. If God says do something, do it. If God says go, go. If God says sit still, sit still. If God says read a book, read a book. If God says uh, go and begin to research some kind of new loan for your company, go research. Whatever God says, do. But then notice it says he departed as the Lord instructed him. It's a good thing to not try to walk ahead of God or three steps behind God. Try to walk in sync with God. Let the Lord lead you. Let the Lord direct you. Do you ever have times when, when everything's going haywire in your life and you just, you just get all frustrated with it and, you, and you just, you're trying to just push and make every door open that you can open and, and, and then you, fi- you finally wised up and you remember that verse in Romans that says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And, 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 and you finally went and got, gosh, God, I wanted this to happen so bad, but maybe you didn't. And if you didn't, that's okay with me. What are you trying to tell me? Where are you trying to take me? Lord, I'm trying to go straight. Are you trying to get me to make a right turn here? Because if you are, I'm willing to go there. You see, he departed as the Lord instructed him. It's not that he departed and hit the ground running. He was willing to go 
in synchronization with the Lord and with the grace of the Lord. And you and I need to learn to do what the Bible calls in the New Testament, walking in the Spirit. Come to a place where we're living in communion with the Lord. We're, or, you know, the Bible says in one place, pray without ceasing. Well, what does that mean? Chant? No. It means keep your mind open to God so that if stuff's going on in your life that you don't like it, you're telling Him. If stuff's going on and it's great, you're thanking Him. But you are always kind of got your, your, your spiritual ears open and you're willing to let, be, let yourself be led. And so Abraham went out as he was instructed by the Lord and, and God was with him. Psalm chapter 5 verse 8 tells us uh, this. The psalmist is praying and he says, God, make, make your paths really straight because if they're crooked, I might miss it. You know, it's like that thing I picked, showed you those pictures in Mongolia. Well, if it was a straight line across Mongolia, I could get from one city to the other. But when the thing veers all over the place and sometimes the road splits and this and that, I'm going to get lost for sure. And the, and the psalmist is saying, God, I'm not that smart. Make it really straight for me and really smooth for me and I'll get where you want me to go. In other words, Lord, help us to be in teamwork and partnership in this as we move forward. What's going on? The opposite of sin. If sin is severing your relationship with God, if sin is saying, I don't need you telling me what to do, I can do it well on my own, what's going on in Abraham's life here is, he's, is the opposite of sin. He's coming into partnership with the Lord, and he's learning to walk in the Spirit and walk by faith, but going as the Lord leads him and as the Lord instructs him. Well, it goes on and says, they went to the land of Canaan. We know the land of Canaan at the time was inhabited by idol worshipers who were burning their sons as fire offerings to their gods, killing their children. And uh, despicable things going on there. God would eventually move these people out and give the land to Abraham. But when Abraham moved there, the Canaanites were in the land. And all Abraham could do was go and look around and say, Thank you, Lord, by faith. I believe you're going to give me this. But certainly he didn't uh, own any of it as he did. So he, he, he was there, but he was living there by faith and, and watching what God was doing by faith. And then verse 7 says, But the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. And Abraham built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. And after that, Abraham traveled southward and set up camp in the hill country between Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar and worshipped the Lord. Now, the question is, what should I do while I wait for God to act? And the answer is here in these verses we just read. The first thing he did was he built an altar. Now, when these guys would build an altar uh, because God had spoken to them, it wasn't much of an altar. Now, you think of some big, elaborate thing, right? They'd pile up a bunch of rocks. And they would, every time that they'd pass by the rocks, go, oh, that's where I was the day that God told me this. They didn't even mortar the rocks together. They just made a pile of stones. Somebody could come along and move them. It was interesting being in Mongolia because it's a country of shepherds, which is exactly what you're reading about in the Bible. And they lived very much like they did in Bible days. It's also interesting because they have a deal of they build, build a monument it's just a pile of rocks. Somebody goes to a place and they have some sort of spiritual experience. Now, they're, they're into shamanism and all kind of weird things. But they'll just take some rocks and pile them up. And then other people will come by and they see the pile of rocks and they'll pile up rocks there. And, and they have these fancy, expensive blue silk scarves that they use for commemorative occasions. And somebody will put a stick in there and tie one of those scarves to it. And it's just a, you know, you could kick it and it would all go away. Well, he, he builds an altar like that. And all he's saying is, I remember I had this experience with God. I think you and I need to build altars like that in our life. I build them by, I keep a prayer journal. And when God, God speaks to me about certain things and I want to keep praying about it, I write it down and I date it. Or I, or I write things in my Bible. 
Uh, sometimes I'll put a date by a scripture and some little notation of myself to remember I was in this crisis time and I felt like the Lord told me this. Now I'm kind of checking it out because I'm going to write the note and I'm going to see if I really did hear from God because if he comes through down the road, I can come back here and go, hey, I wrote it. And if he doesn't come through, now we got to deal with this. And so there's this commemoration business that Abraham did. The second thing is that he set up camp. Doesn't it say that there in about uh, verse 8? That he set up camp. And I, I think that we need to set up camp. Look at the pictures on the screen. Here's somebody who's praying, seeking the Lord. They built an altar of worship in their life. Uh, here's somebody else that's doing a good job of raising his little girl. And, and, and you know what? You can become so spiritually minded that you're no good for anything. Did you know that? God never called believers to a monastic lifestyle. He called us to, to interface with the world around us, to go to work in the morning, to, 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 to be a light in a dark world. He never called us to separate ourselves from everybody that's out there. We're supposed to be making friends with people who don't know the Lord. You know, I talk to some people who are, who are Christians. They want to do everything they can to protect their children from all the non-Christian children. Well, th- that's exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. We're supposed to let the light shine in the darkness. You know, people that want to, uh, you know, I talked to somebody not too long ago, want to quit their job so they could just study the Bible all the time. Well, you know what? That's in violation of the Bible, which says if you, if you won't work, you shouldn't eat. The Bible actually says it. It tells Christians in a church, if there's some guy over here that refuses to work because he's so pious or whatever, don't help him. Don't work, don't eat, fine. It's up to you. So God doesn't want us to float around on a cloud. He wants us to be walking by faith and trusting Him and living in the world and getting ahead and doing our business and getting married and having kids and raising our kids and having grandkids. And, and he, he wants to permeate the world with His grace. He doesn't want to go off and do it in a box someplace. Are you, are you with me? And then the last thing it says is he went to another place and then he built an altar at the place where he set up camp. And this altar probably was different. This altar was not just some little pile of rocks. This was a place that he'd have that he could go out on a regular basis and worship the Lord. And I think that's a little different. That's not a commemorative thing. That's an ongoing thing. I think that you and I need to have an altar in our life in terms of we're building pattern and regularity into our meeting times with God. You know, I have a chair that I like to go sit in in the morning and just I can be by myself there and I read my Bible and I pray and I talk with God. I think that being involved in, in worship attendance and, and showing up here is hugely significant. I was talking to somebody this morning. It was you, Helen, huh? And she was spitting mad. She's telling me about people that she knows that, you know, they got something to do and, 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 and it's like, it never makes sense to me. You know, I, I'm going to, I won't say what it was. Somebody was going to some athletic event on Saturday night, so I'm not going to church that weekend. Well, do you know something? There's church on Friday night at this church. And those people last night heard exactly what you're hearing right now. And tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, those people are going to hear exactly the same thing. And at 10 o'clock, exactly the same thing. And you know one of the reasons we do it? So Because if you want to go to a basketball game on Saturday night, you go. But we made it possible for you to continue to grow in your knowledge of the Lord that's how come I teach in series, so there's sequence to it, so that you're learning something. It truly bums me out. I mean, think about this. I invest lots of time into this thing. And, 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 and now, last week we started about Abraham. Today we're building a little more on it. Next week we're going to build a little more on it. And somebody's going to show up next week and go, Oh, I, I missed all that. I don't get it. Whew. Am I making any sense here? See, we need to have some discipline. There's no discipline in our life. And then we can't figure out how come we're not having all the glory stuff happen to us. It's because you're not putting anything in. 
You're not making any investment. I mean, to me, God ought to be the biggest priority of my whole stinking life. More than my family. The way I run my life is God first, my family second. Starting with my wife first and then my kids. And then I want to take care of myself physically. And then way down the list comes my job. Because I'd never trade my job for my wife. My job happens to be a pastor, but I used to work at a hospital before, and I used to sand bowling alleys before that, and I, I loaded trucks before that. I, I, I think that whatever you do, you've got to have a priority structure that begins with the Lord. Because I can't make my life with my wife work if I won't put my life together with God. I talked to a man this week that's leaving his wife for another person. Hard thing. He's spitting in God's face before he's spitting in her face. We've got to keep God up there on the throne. Am I making sense? Look at this. Go to Ecclesiastes. You could write a little note here. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. And Ecclesiastes, in case you have a hard time finding it, is right after Proverbs, which is right after Psalms. We're going to end with this verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Well, what's that all about? Well, when you're young, you've got a lot of stuff on the plate. I mean, you've got to get an education. You've got to fall in love. You've got to get married. You've got to get a career. You want to do sports. You just want to go cruising. You want to hang out at the mall. You've got a lot of important things to do. And it says here, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Well, I think it would be wise to also say, don't let the agenda of midlife cause you to forget your Creator. I mean, you've got to develop that career, and, and you've got to buy that house, and get that condo, and, and uh, you've got to get those investments going, and you've got to do all these things, and it's work, 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 work. Don't let that cause you to forget your Creator. And it goes on and gives you a reason why. It says, honor Him in your youth before you grow old and no longer enjoy living. You know, I'm starting to do that growing old thing. I've got, I got two shoulders messed up, one tennis elbow, and a knee that's given out. And my stomach gets messed up, and all this stuff that I... I used to think, man, I wish I could afford to buy that stuff. That's, now I can afford to buy it, and now I can't eat it. <laughs> Honor Him in your youth before you grow old and no longer enjoy living. It'll be too late then to remember Him when the light of the sun and the moon and the stars is dim to your old eyes and there's no silver lining left among the clouds. Your limbs will tremble with age and your strong legs will grow weak. Boy, I relate. Your teeth will be too few to do their work and you'll be blind too. And when your teeth are gone, keep your lips tightly closed when you eat. How gross. Even the chirping of birds will wake you up, but you yourself will be deaf and tuneless with a quavering voice. You'll be afraid of heights and of falling, white-haired and withered, dragging along without any sexual desire. Oops, the Bible talks about sex. Oh, no. You'll be standing at death's door, and as you near your everlasting home, the mourners will walk along the streets. Yes, remember your Creator now while you're young. Before the silver cord of life is snaps and the golden bowl is broken, don't wait till the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then dust will return to the earth and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Have a priority. You want to walk by faith? You want to know the blessing of God and put yourself in a position to open your heart to Him, to believe in Him, to allow Him to bless you and the blessings to flow through? But then position yourself... To, to, to just live a life of balance. Set up camp. 
In other words, pay attention to business. Pay attention to family. Pay attention to life around you. Have a life. But at the same time as you do that, put together a a, a place, a routine, a pattern of worship in your life and protect that and nurture it and don't let anything drive you off the trail. Does this make sense? Because if I get off balance in either way, I lose. If I get off balance of not setting up camp, I just turn into a religious nut. But if I get off balance of the things of this world are more important than the things of God, and how you can tell if they're more important is the use of your T-I-M-E. The use of time. You can always measure everything by time. Not by money, by time. See, one of the problems that the guy in Pakistan is having, the guy in Mongolia is having, is they're suspicious of Americans who want to write them checks. They know that friendship isn't as easy as writing a check for 100 bucks. Friendship is friendship. See, friendship involves time. Am I making any sense here? At 13-hour drive, there's one small element of that drive. They were testing us. They didn't have to take us there when we first got off the plane, dead in the middle of the night. But they took us there. And they were watching us. And they wanted to see how we react. Will you, can you handle this? We do it once a month. Can you take it? Are you serious? Are you committed? See, I think we've got to look in our own life and look in the mirror and say, what do I do with time? Am I serious about God? Am I committed? Is there anything real here, or is this just that airheaded thing that I do? And so, on the one hand, I don't want to be some kind of a spiritual nut. On the other hand, I don't want to be so caught up in, in the things of this world that I have no time for the Lord. I've got to find balance. And if I'll find balance, and I start walking by faith, I'm going to find that overflow of blessing that God promised to Abraham, that God promised to Wilma Rudolph, and that God promises to you and to me. Are you with me? Well, let's pray, and we'll be out of here. Lord, we come to you tonight, and we thank you for the words of Scripture because the Logos becomes Rhema to our heart. God, as we've looked at the book tonight and we've read the Logos, we've looked at things, we've read things, and we've talked about things that you have used to fan the fire in our heart. And Lord, we thank you for that. And God, now the job is ours to embrace the things that you're saying to us and to drive them deep in our hearts and to act on them. To be like Abraham who, who did the thing that the Lord instructed him to do. Lord, the thing that you're saying to each of us in our hearts, that, that our commitment is to do the thing that you're instructing us to do. And, and, and we put ourselves in that position today, tonight. Lord, we're, there's, there's a couple hundred of us in this room. There's a couple of hundred different things that you've said to different people in this room. And Lord, each one of us, as we just are, are looking in our heart and we're looking in your word, uh, we're making different responses to you. Lord, read our hearts and, and help us to hold to the things that we say. Now keep your eyes closed for a little bit longer. I want to pray a different kind of a prayer. I want to do exactly what I just did. Everybody here has their eyes closed. And I'll pray out loud. And you pray silently like we all just did. But between now and then I want to do one thing different. And that is, this is going to be a prayer that says, God, I need you in my life. Would you please come and embrace me as a partner? God, i got need in my life. Would you come and meet my need? And then embrace me and, and breathe your life into me. Put your spirit in my heart. I want to become a friend of God. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And they join me in offering these words to God. God, I come to you and I see you as the creator. And I see you as a God who is kind of way far off out there. And I realize I've lived my life in that way, that you're out there and I'm here. And I've come to a place where I'd like to have more than that from you. And so I'm inviting you into the circle of my life. God, that you'd begin to put your thoughts in my mind that you'd communicate with me like you did with Abraham, 
like you did with Wilma Rudolph. Lord, that you would lead me, that you'd direct me. God, that you'd begin to pour out your blessings in my life. I've heard about sin, and, and I, 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 I'm beginning to get it, that sin is simply the act of pushing God away. And I realize if that's sin, I'm a sinner because I've held you at, at a distance. And, and so I'm guilty of that. And I'm asking that you'd forgive my sin. And Lord, and however I've dishonored you by sinning against you, uh, I apologize for that. And that I want to embrace you tonight, and I want you to embrace me. And, and Lord, somehow that your son Jesus died on that cross to cancel all of our sin. I don't totally understand that, but the part I get, I get. And I, I'm asking you that my sin would be canceled because of whatever he did for me that day. And that you'd begin to communicate with me as I get in the Bible, that I'd see in the logos of the Bible, uh, your word, but in that, that you'd come and speak to me and, and there would be a rhema applied to my heart. Lord, work your stuff in me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 